Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. The path that leadeth on is lighted by one fire, the light of daring burning in the heart. The more one dares, the more he shall attain. Welcome to Fire Festival's Beltane, the 39th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century occultist Helena Blavatsky. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And I love Blavatsky. <laughs> it's a good quote. She's got some... She is... It's a great quote. And I love... There's one book that she wrote that is something baboon. Madame Blavatsky's yes. baboon. Yeah. yeah. And I just... I love that book. Okay. So we're going to do anyway, our... I can't believe we're at 39 episodes. I was going to say the same thing. It's like, holy shit, 39? Just, I know. The numbers just keep going up. They just keep yeah. going up. I that's guess crazy. that's a Well, good and thing. the numbers are going up double fast right now because we're oh, also putting up the interviews yeah. on our off weeks. Plus, so. we also had that one fool's gold episode. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we've had a sort of an artificial jump in the number of, of our episodes right now. But. Right. And I hope everybody enjoyed the fool's gold. I thought, <laughs> I've, I've listened to it a couple of times just because it makes me laugh. <laughs> Let's move on to our maintenance stuff so we can get yep. that out of the way. Do we okay, have any so new, patrons? new patrons? Yes. We patrons. have one kitten. Oh, okay. we love you kittens. Hello, new kitten. We have one new cat. That's Megan Sokolow. Hello, Megan. Thank you for supporting us. And we have four new hunters. Wow. <laughs> Robin Archer, who's on Discord yep, right now. He's in the Discord Robin. with us. Mistina, Meredith Kenton, and Susan Johnson, who just upgraded oh, to yeah. Hunter from, from, uh, from Kitten. Oh, oh from wow. Kitten. Made yeah. a big jump. Wow. Yep. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who... Mm-hmm. Um, to all of our patrons. To, yeah, yep. to everyone who supports us through Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Mm-hmm. And an extra special shout out to Squeaky, who I forgot yes. last yes. podcast. Our beloved Squeaky. So Squeaky, thank you very much. Squeaky is a hunter level patron who right. is not supporting us through Patreon, but made a one time, like year long mm-hmm. uh, donation essentially right. to us That's directly right. and therefore got hunter access for a year. For a year. Yep. yep. And we certainly do appreciate it. And we mm-hmm. love our Squeaky. Yes, Squeaky's in uh, the Discord almost every recording. Oh, absolutely. So, almost every day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's true. In the live patron questions yep. channel in particular, Squeaky yep. is almost always there. When we're recording, so we're very fond of Squeaky. That's right. I think and all I our should, other regulars. I That's think I should have all commercial. our regulars. You think you're, you're going to oh, start I think a I should, yeah, I might okay. as well. All right. Might as well. Right, sure. Okay, commercial time. Commercial time. Now for a commercial from our Tiger Lorelei for the Georgia-based shop Otherworld Creations, featuring jewelry, altarpieces, devotional art, and decorative items fashioned out of bones, teeth, claws, and fur of departed creatures. Lorelai believes that these remains have their own energy and spirit the same way that plants and stones do, and that these can be tapped into and worked with. Most of the remains used in other world creations are found already dead, and some are traded from hunters who would otherwise discard these remnants. You can follow Other World Creations on Instagram at Otherworld underscore Creations Co., or find them on Facebook, or you can contact them at OtherworldCreationsCo at gmail.com, for inquiries or commissions. Heck yeah. Huzzah. <laughs> Commercial one, out of the way. Commercial one. And it's a great store. I yeah. checked it out. Yeah, the the stuff that's on that very, Instagram very nice. is very choice. Very choice stuff. Highly recommend you guys go check it out and get some stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yep. it's cool. For whatever Lorelai can actually ship you. That's right. Yeah, yes, because there's there's <laughs> all these rules. Can. There's yeah. all these rules about there's shipping rules. bones and things. Yeah. 
But Lorelai uh, has exhibited on the Discord in the mm-hmm. past uh, an extremely close familiarity with those rules. Oh, so, right. yep. <laughs> All the rules. So, uh, so Lorelai knows what the fuck she's doing. Yeah, exactly. You won't get any trouble because Lorelai knows what's up. Yeah, yep, so exactly. Seriously, check out her website. She's got beautiful creations, mm-hmm. and yep. you'll find something you need or want. Yep. yep. Okay, are we ready to get going? Yeah, I think we are. Okay, so as the uh, title of this episode indicates... We are continuing our sort of deeper dive on the Wheel of the Year, mm-hmm. now with Beltane, which yep. is the next fire festival. It That's is right. indeed. And I, it's funny because I, in preparation for this episode, mm-hmm. I've been listening to our previous Beltane episode. So did I. And I didn't realize we covered that really, really well. So I was sitting there going, what are we going to talk about this time? Well, I think, I, <laughs> and this is, this is obviously the challenge with the series, is right. that we scraped sort of the surface of these holidays mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. that first year when we did the Wheel of the Year series. Yep, yep. And now the challenge is to kind of dig deeper and get into sort of the bones of the thing. Right, like, what's the deeper meaning? Right, like what's the point of the holiday? Mm-hmm. Not just like the trappings of the holiday, right. the mechanics of the holiday, but like why do you celebrate it? Well, and I think, you know, on the surface, it's, uh, you know, it's a fertility holiday. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people focus on the sexual aspect the of it. Right the, the great rite and the maypole are a very dramatic aspect of exactly. this holiday. Exactly. Yes. All the phallic symbols associated and with I, it. I think maybe this episode last year, I think maybe the Wheel of the Year Beltane episode was where the dick wand. Right, the preopic yeah, wand. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was where we started talking about the dick wand. I thought that was Astara. No, I think it was, I think it was Beltane. Okay. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's And very... maybe also the dick bread. Yes, I think so. <laughs> with, yes, with the cheese. Mm-hmm. So, um... <laughs> It was a good idea. That's what you think of when you think of Beltane. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that has really been jumping out at me Mm -hmm. when I was kind of re-listening to the episode and and looking up some resources again was two ideas. The first one was the taking your livestock and yourself Mm -hmm. through these two bonfires so that the smoke would just swirl around them and cleanse them and protect them for the coming year. So Mm -hmm. obviously cleansing and protecting is is a big feature of Because I think it is worth pointing out that the ancient celebrations of Beltane in Ireland and in mm-hmm. Scotland, in that area, mm-hmm. were very different from the celebrations mm-hmm. we do now for, like, the May Day with the Maypole right, and everything. Maypole, right, yep. like, for instance, they would extinguish their fires and they'd relay they'd their build, fires. Well, they'd build the Need Fire, yeah, which yep. was right. a fire that you had to build in a specific way. Mm-hmm. It was more work than traditional. And then all the fi- the hearths had to be relit with mm-hmm. the sparks from, from that the, fire. Right, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, it was a very, it was obviously a very, very important mm-hmm. ritual for them. And it was much less focused on, like, human fertility. Right. right? And much more focused on sort of livestock and agricultural fertility. Yeah, fertility. And yeah. the fertility of the land, because at this point in in that part of the world, you know, they were kind of in the middle of their of their spring, I think. Well, they were this, so Beltane wasn't really, like, spring wasn't a concept that right. really existed back in the day. It was right. like winter and summer. summer the world right. had Two halves. Two halves. Light and, it was and dark. Just working your way from one into the right. other. So right. Beltane was the point where you were definitively moving into summer. Right. Right. This right. was the mark that summer was happening. Yeah. And that big fire was uh, most of the time built in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notice? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. one big yeah, it was bonfire. In, it was in County Westmeath. Yep. All of Ireland mm-hmm. would go there. To there. 
to get that fire to relight. And when their you think hearts. about that, that means that all these different clans were coming, coming together. together. Exactly. So that would be an excellent time to marry right. people from different but it was, tribes. It was also a time when like peace out. It was also a time when legal disputes were settled. Right. Because right. it was when all your lawmakers and all your, and your judges were all in one place. Your druids, yeah. Right. We're, all, yeah. we're all in yeah. one place. Yeah. To render judgments. Yep. So if you had disputes during the winter, mm-hmm. you tabled those things yep. until Beltane, when everyone was going to be together and you could all handle it. And also, at that point, winter was a time where everyone had to sort of suck it up and work together. Right. 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 And then summer was when you could start going to war again. Right. Yep. Summer was when you could afford to start shedding blood again. During mm-hmm. the winter, you couldn't afford to lose anybody because right. you all had to right. you know, pitch in. pitch in to make it through what in some places, at least certainly in Scandinavia were extremely harsh and dangerous winters yeah. mm-hmm. um, that were going to be killing people in your tribe anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. don't add to the body count. Right. So all that stuff had to wait until, you know, yeah. in Ireland, until Beltane, in That's Scandinavia, right. until the thing. And you talked about, you know, people walking between the fire. Mm-hmm. It was considered to be better fertility and, like, just make you have more luck during the year if mm-hmm. you chose to leap. Mm, yeah, the Beltane yeah, fire. The Beltane yeah. fire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, you couldn't leap your livestock through, but no, but no, <laughs> but yeah, if you if you took if you could yeah, uh, if, you, if could you had the courage to take a running jump over the, the bonfire, fire, right. yeah. yeah, which and I've seen you know some modern practitioners mm-hmm. do have taken up that practice, and it's a really like dramatic thing to watch. Mm-hmm. I've seen some video, yeah. and especially if you've got people who are dressed in antlers and mm-hmm. and in finery, you know, and and hopefully not long skirts, and uh, you know, jumping over these, uh, just these get all fires. your clothes wet before yeah. you take right. them up. It's actually it's really a dramatic thing to watch. And all of that was actually done on Alcabeltane or May, May Eve. Yeah, and then yeah. It, the partying so essentially continued right. too. I think it's important to maybe you know get past the dick bread and um, <laughs> as hilarious as, as the dick hilarious bread is. as it is, <laughs> and start to maybe look at these deeper aspects of because in modern luck and uh, protection as well as mediation. It, yeah, exactly, and and in modern. Paganry, right, in modern pagan circles, the fertility is very much that surface level, right. easy scrape access right. to the holiday. Absolutely. But especially if you're in a reconstructionist tradition, mm-hmm. which like I'm not, I'm in a revivalist tradition. I'm mm-hmm. fine accepting new stuff. Sure. But if you're in a reconstructionist tradition, it doesn't make any sense to pursue like a really fertility focused spelting because that's not what right. Right. the ancients were doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it could be a great time if, if there's some quarrels going on in your group or yeah. between family members or yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. Beltane could be a great time to get a third party mm-hmm. to come in and help mediate and kind of overcome some of these, you know, some of these difficult relationship issues yeah. that you could be. So and even in families like this could be a good time hash out to hash out some some differences or some things to bring that peace and unity back into into your family and i think it's i think it's really important significant there that you mentioned a third party Mm -hmm. because there's a tendency especially in covens to kind of handle things in house Mm -hmm. and kindreds have the same thing too to handle things inside the kindred inside the coven and not let outsiders see your dirty laundry right right right. Mm -hmm. but beltane is specifically about getting everybody, your whole, like, extended tribal group together, right? right? Mm -hmm. So that 
outside participants who are still part of your in culture, right. Right. but are not part of your immediate group, right. can weigh in on this problem from so, from so, from slightly from a slightly outside perspective. On so it. from Druidry of today, all of the groves would come together. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, also, and then instead of just an individual grove handling its shit. And, right. you know, having to deal with the natural biases, because there's, you're, you know, human yeah. beings, so we're always going to have natural biases. Right. But if you get outsiders involved, mm-hmm. who are enough in the in-group that they know, uh, you know, everyone has the same sort of rules and expectations, but aren't directly involved with the immediate group. Right. Mm-hmm. You can, I think you'll get a lot more productive... Uh, conflict resolution that sure. way. Mm-hmm. And I think it could also be, um, I don't know if people have done this in like groves and kindreds and covens, but like if you have a sister coven or, mm-hmm. or a, a sister grove or kindred, what, you know, you could get several groups together to celebrate Beltane together, mm-hmm. you know, to make it, to kind of revive that, that, uh, and I wonder of if camaraderie and coming together. And I wonder if something productive to do would be come together, get, get a bunch of kindreds together, right? Mm-hmm. Celebrate your Beltane. Right. Right. Not that kindreds really do Beltane, but if they did, let's just right. assume kindreds are doing Beltane. Right, right, sure. Get a bunch of kindreds together to do Beltane before you do the celebration part. Like, do an opening writ or whatever yeah, yeah. to say, and now we're here all together to celebrate Beltane right. in the spirit of whatever. Do all your conflict resolution at First, the beginning, yeah. yep. get it out of the way, and then do those rebinding, rebind those ties and that community, rebuild that frith. Right. Through the rest of the Beltane event, as you all celebrate together, yeah. it's way yeah. easier to party when all of the crap when all the shit's already yeah, been exactly. done with. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that yep. seems. This seems to me like, and I, I guarantee to you that most Beltane events don't have this like conflict resolution right. component. Right, but they should. But they should, and yeah. I think it would be really smart if we could, if we could sort of integrate this into at least Beltane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. if if at least on this holiday. When everyone's, you know, blood is up anyway, just get the shit out in the open, yeah. talk about it, hash it out, figure out what you're going to do about it, and then, when it's been dealt with, move on, reconnect, right. get back to loving each other as family. Yep. Yeah. So, on the morning of May 1st, mm-hmm. people would rise at dawn, okay. and they would collect flowers and boughs from, like, mountain ash and rowan trees, mm-hmm. and they would put those across doorways, or on the outside right. of the windows Garlands. of their home yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yep. And so the usual traditions of hospitality and, and generosity, though, are kind of turned on their heads during Beltane. Mm. Basically, anything taken from a home on Beltane could be used for malicious spells against the owner. So guests were turned away at the door. <laughs> but since we were just talking about flowers and ash and mm-hmm. ruin and that kind of stuff, I think it's time for Gwen's Garden Gems. Okay. So, what I'm going to be talking about today is cowslip, which was uh, also known as fairy cup, as well as Freya's key. Official name is Primula veris. It is a yellow flower that grows on a tall green stalk, and it's really got like almost a green ball that the blossoms kind of come up out of in a bunch. Like a comet. Yeah. It's quite a beautiful flower. It's very bright yellow, common to Great Britain and Europe. It was very useful and, and particularly grown in medieval gardens. Mm. They had a lot of uses for it. It is associated, as far as its associations, modern day, 
uh, obviously with Freya because it, one of its names is Freya's Key. It's also associated with water and the planet Venus. It's good for protection magic, for unlocking secrets, hence Freya's Key, and healing. And then some of the traditions that grew up around cowslip, if you wear a cowslip flower, it will preserve youthfulness for the coming year. Okay. You can also, <laughs> I thought this was funny, especially considering they would use cowslip, you know, on their doors and, mm-hmm. and things In the like garlands. that. And mm-hmm. if you put cowslip under your door or under your porch, it, it, it discourages visitors. <laughs> <laughs> also, farmers would uh, take the, the petals from the cowslip and rub them on the cow's udders okay. uh, to prevent milk thieving fairies from getting the milk for the for the remainder of sense. the year. Yep. <laughs> but cowslip is also said to be a favorite of the fairy folk. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that they would use it to yeah. discourage fairies when it was considered like to be a favored these, flower. These seem like folklores that probably come from different regions. Probably, yeah. probably. Yeah. It's also, you can hang it for, over your uh, your door for good luck, as well as protection. It can also be used to invoke love and attraction, which is another reason why it was popular for Beltane. It is a spring flower, so it comes up in April and May. You can find it mostly uh, when it's growing wild in fields, meadows, coastal dunes, cliff tops. But if you do want to sow cowslip in your garden, the best time to sow the seed is in the autumn. Mm-hmm. Obviously before it, then you it have a hard, right, then, yeah. over the winter and it should hopefully then spring up. It grows to be about 10 inches tall. Okay. Um, so it's not a huge flower. Well, that's it's, a respectable flower it's an, size. It's a, it's a respectable a size. Exactly. But if you don't want to worry about sowing the seed, you can get what's plug plants. Basically plants that have already been grown to a couple of inches right. and just plug them into the spaces you want in your garden. That's how I prefer to do plants. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they do prefer good soil in sun or partial shade. The scent is a lot like anise. You know, so so licorice Kind of a licorice yep. And the leaves and flowers can be added to salads. The leaves can be cooked like spinach and or added to soups or stews. The flower blossom only, not the green part of the blossom, right. but just the yellow petals, can be made into a tea that's good for headache remedy, dizziness, chills, head colds, cramps, nerve pain, as well as uh, to help you relax so if you've had nightmares. So it sounds like it's just a general analgesic. Yeah, a good am- general relaxant and analgesic. It can also be made into country wine and vinegars. Mm-hmm. It's added to these to things for that. So anyway, it's a wonderful little plant. Get you some and put it on your altar and above your door so that you don't have unwanted or under your porch so you don't have unwanted we need to guests. Plant, we need to plant cowslip because I never want guests. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to, I do actually want to, to plant some cowslip. For your apothecary? Yeah, for my apothecary, but also just, you know, there's some really neat things you can do with it. That's it for Gwen's Garden Gems. Thank you. So some other weird traditions from Beltane. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Walking the circuit of your property, which is called beating the bounds. Okay. And that's to repair all the fences and boundary markers. Right. That makes sense. Which makes a ton of sense. After the winter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and during winter, you can't get out there to take care of this shit. So it gets, you know, wrecked. Growing up, we had horses. My mom would always walk the fence. I don't know if she knew she was doing a Beltane thing, but, you know. (laughs) So according to the ancient Irish Book of Invasions. Okay. Partholon, who was the first settler of Ireland. Okay. Arrived on May 1st, mm-hmm. and it was on May 1st that a plague came and destroyed his entire people. Huh. Good job, Partholon. years later, the mythical group known as the Malaysians were said to have conquered the Tuatha Dan on May Day. 
May Day is a cursed day yeah. in Ireland, or, or it sounds like. <laughs> or a good, good day. Good or bad, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it it's that in-between. We're, right. we're balancing. Yeah. It's that balancing act. Yeah, so one thing I, I thought we should talk about is uh, is that, so because Beltane is exactly six months out from Samhain, mm-hmm. they are essentially mirror holidays. And they are both liminal times. Sure, yeah, all mm-hmm. the holidays are liminal times. True. But, so because uh, Beltane and Samhain are, they do this sort of like flip-flop, mm-hmm. where right. Beltane is, and now it's summer, and Samhain is, mm-hmm. and now, now it's, it's winter. winter. They are sort of mirror images of each other. And so they have very similar intensities of energy, mm-hmm. even though they have inverted focuses. Right. So where Samhain is very focused on death right. and on dealing with the dead, mm-hmm. uh, Beltane is very focused on, on life. life and to a certain extent even birth, like mm-hmm. activation, the mm-hmm. beginning of, not the beginning in the in the sense that Imbolc is, which right. is like conception, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the very, the very, the seed of the thing. Right, but right. birth, like... And now you exist. Right, exactly. I think it's interesting because, you know, there's uh, the Samhain tradition of trick-or-treating, you know, and and causing mayhem and mischief. Beltane, what they would do was, and we talked about this in the previous Mm -hmm. episode, too, is they would take gifts to their neighbors. And one of the things that I really thought was charming was the May Basket is they would fill it with flowers and home goods and things like that. And they would take it to their shut-ins, their elderlies, the the people who were too sick to come out to the celebrations, that kind of thing. So I thought that was Presumably a, they also had to bring them a piece of the fire. Right, and they yeah. would bring them a piece of from the fire. Yeah. And I thought that was a beautiful way to include these people into the greater community mm-hmm. who may be outliers simply because of age or infirmity. Yeah. And I think we talked about this in the previous Beltane episode, but when the fires were completely dead, mm-hmm. that ash is what they used yes. to fertilize their to fields. fertilize yep. their fields. So, Which I think is beautiful. Yep. That's very cool. Yep. So also uh, thorn trees, I don't know if you all know this, but thorn trees are very connected to the fairy kingdom. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they were decorated on May Day with flowers, ribbons, and painted shells. Okay. Well, listen, if you don't invite the the neighbors, they'll come anyway. Right, exactly. So you might as well start on good terms. Start on good terms with the good neighbors. They're going to be here for the party whether you invite them or not, so you better invite them. Well, I wonder if that's how we came up with the maple. Oh, because I I think didn't uh, Jason Mankey wrote a wrote a blog Article, post yeah. not that long ago saying that the maple is not as old as we think it is. Correct. It's, yeah. it's a relatively recent, so relatively yeah. Yeah. you know within several. It's hundred fairly years. widespread in Europe. Yeah, it's not like new new. It's not like nineteenth century new. No, right. No, but it yeah. is like sixteenth seventeenth yeah. century. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. In and I think where it comes from is going to vary regionally. Right. So like German countries, mm-hmm. it probably comes from Irmensol, which is the world pillar. Like mm-hmm. that's a known right. older symbol. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I suspect that at least in German areas, either. And I, it's the timelines on these are fuzzy. So it's hard to say, like, did it start in Celtic speaking areas and spread east towards Germany? Did right. it start in German speaking areas and spread west Towards Ireland, and we know that the Celts were great traders. Exactly, so and these, and these, so were the Germans. Exactly. So, so there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of cross cultural cultural sharing right, happening. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it could very well be some sort of 
like fusion or interaction between right. like decorating the thoren trees and mm -hmm. Irminsul, the world pillar right you yeah. know colliding, colliding this could yeah. be yeah. one of those you know which came first the chicken or the egg uh -huh. we'll never really know kind of situations <laughs> yeah but that is an interesting uh correlation for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting and I, because I think thorn trees are not, you couldn't make a, a maypole out of a thorn tree. No. No. They're, no. they're a smaller, bushier kind mm, of, correct. A, yeah. Right. Yep. of a tree. And very, they're not straight. Yeah, they're, right. they're craggly. Yeah. So you would have to use something else. And I wonder, so yeah, so I wonder if thing like the airman soul as that very straight pillar mm -hmm. yep. concept mm -hmm. combined with decorate the tree. Right. For okay. fertility and right. luck. Right. Yeah, that would be an it would it would not be surprising, I guess, right. if those yeah. concepts yeah. interacted in some way to to create the maypole. Especially mm -hmm. when you look at things like um like traditional uh Anglo Saxon maypoles that had the crown at the top, mm -hmm. the wreath at the top. Yep. Yeah. And of course, in addition to the fertility and the the birthing of mm -hmm. things, you also I was just thinking about the divination that that would go on during that time. For instance, I because I forgot to mention with the cowslip there was a, a divination game that young children, well, not young children, but children and, and people would play to determine who would they who they would marry. Because everyone is obsessed with who they were going to marry. And so that seems to be a common theme in all of these these festivals is the types of divination they tended toward had to do, especially in things like Beltane. Or at least the ones that were written down. Yeah, for right. The ones, yeah. We, the ones that we, the ones we were aware of, yeah. the ones that we were aware of, have to do with well, who's going to marry who, yeah. and that kind of thing. And they're just little, they're folk divinations, yeah. right? So they're yeah. no more. I guess the extent to which they're genuinely divinatory depends on the approach oh, you take. But I like, they're yeah. basically the same as like pulling petals off a flower. Oh, sure, right. absolutely. Yeah. And this game, especially since basically mm -hmm. the the um the object of the game was to to toss the the green part of the flower around until it, until it disintegrates. Integrated yeah. while so you, it pops while you sang a rhyme about who you were going uh -huh. to marry, right. kind of thing. So <laughs> Squeaky is mentioning playing mash in elementary school. Yeah, exactly. Those <laughs> yeah. little uh, those yeah. little paper, oh, those little paper pyramid things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Exactly, and that's it's a similar. I never had to do that, <laughs> but I think it's those it's those types of things. You know, like bobbing for apples and all those yeah. kind of those games, peeling the apples, peeling to see what the, the skin yeah, yeah, peeling looks to like, see yeah. what the name of your of your intended was going mm -hmm. to be, that kind of thing. Did you all also know that the morning dew on May Day was more potent? Yes, because you yes. mentioned it last year. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yes, you yes. did. And we talked about washing your face. Washing your face with, the, the, with the May Day dew. Mm -hmm. the May did Day you know dew. that young maidens rolled in it? In no, order to stay more young and beautiful. <laughs> no, but they would actually roll across me. the ground. Now, if we I've actually... added something new to the podcast for this year, <laughs> and like I in the previous episode, you you were like, "Is there a way to collect the dew?" I got uh -huh, to thinking yeah. about that. Actually, what you could do is put a piece of cloth out, and it would pro it would collect dew, and then you could take that and wash your face. Maybe. Yeah, I you guess could. it would depend on the fibers you had. Mm, it would have to be like a piece of cotton. Like a clean piece of, of cotton cloth. Yeah. And lay it out on the grass. Trust me, I used to go camping. I know, things get wet. They get uh, damp. And damp. Yes. So, but do they get damp enough to wash your face with? Well, it's. I don't <laughs> think you're like washing like, you know, like getting really wet. Well, I, think I think it's it just a matter of... depends on how of, dewy it is. That's true. And I and I think it's just a matter of the just symbolic... Just swipe this damp cloth over yes, your face. It's, it's the symbolism <laughs> of it. I'm going to try it if we don't have ice. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> 
As it stands. Right now, you could roll out there, but you'd be it, damned. You'd, oh, you'd, you'd, re- you'd regret your choices. There, there would be no dew. No. Right. But we still have a few weeks. The dew is buried under an inch of snow right That's now. Right so. now. Yeah, last year was ice. This year it's snow. It's snow. like, what the fuck? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Really? Really? Third so winter. It goes. God damn it. <laughs> so Beltane, I think, even more than Imbolc, for me at least, mm-hmm. has like really strong fire feelings. Yeah. Well, it is definitely. Like, Imbolc is a fire festival, and it's got fire associations mm-hmm. through Brigid, mm-hmm. right. because Brigid really likes fire, right? Right. But I think of, and I was thinking about this, so like I'm with these spring festivals, my struggle is like, okay, well, I don't want to celebrate three fertility festivals in a row. Right. <laughs> this, Which we've talked about. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, this bores me. Yeah. So what alternative reasons can I find to celebrate these holidays? And so where, where I landed on Imbolc was purification. Right. And where I landed on Ostara was celebration. Mm-hmm. So for Beltane, I think where I'm ending is a much more, and all three of these are sort of fire aspects, right? Mm-hmm. The purifying aspect of fire, mm-hmm. the joyous aspect of fire. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting to what I'm calling activation or like the, that magician energy from the tarot mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you're actualizing your potential into a thing. Right. In a way that can be almost like frenzied, very, very active and productive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe even the most like primal element of fire is just the the almost destructiveness of right. it. The combustion of it. Exactly. That the action of the fire. Mm-hmm. Not for any specific purpose, but mm-hmm. just because that's what fire is. Right. Fire can, you know, obviously it can destroy, but it can also help create. Mm-hmm. It can assist in the creation because it when kilns, proper when properly harnessed. When properly yeah. harnessed, you know, kilns you with baking clay, obviously an oven with baking food. Mm-hmm. Anything, the forge. The forge. Yeah. Or making athames or swords or whatever. Or whatever your tools are. Or whatever are. your tools are, what, you know, whatever you need made out of iron. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you can harness that energy, there's a lot you can create with fire. Well, and magically speaking, just fire is considered yep. a creative force as much as it's considered a destructive That's one. That's right. You want to work with fire if you're going to be creating mm-hmm. something. The energy of the element of fire. Yeah. So that's where I'm landing on this holiday, I think, is is focusing on that activity, that creative that, energy. Yeah, that creative energy, that driving forward passion, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I think for me, uh, for some reason, the protection aspect is is jumping out at me mm-hmm. a lot with the smoke. So I think I would probably think about... You want a fire, you can throw a lot of things on to uh, smoke up. <laughs> exactly. I'd, you know, I'd be thinking of, you know, protection for the house, protection mm-hmm. for the family, cowslip under the porch to, you know... To ward off guests. To ward off unwanted <laughs> visitors, you know, things like that. Protecting of the home space mm-hmm. seems to be what is is uh, really standing out to me. That and being generous and to that those does... who are shut in or can't participate in some, for some reason. Your desire to, like... Create the safe home space mm-hmm. sort of matches that mending the fences, uh, mm-hmm. walking the boundaries, stuff that that car was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've already decided I'm, I think I'm going to put together a May basket, take it at least one to my mom. <laughs> and maybe, you know, if there's anybody else I can think of who might like one. Uh, Squeaky said there are pine cones that won't open until they go through fire. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And apparently Robin Archer and... Mermediff mm-hmm. um, are going to be making do stuff. That's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know how you are going to accomplish that, but you all get to it. Yep, Feel and free. then let us know mm-hmm. how that yeah. works out. Yep. 
Because I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always interested to hear about the stuff y'all are making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are, you all, speaking of creativity, you all are so freaking creative. Yeah. And productive. That's right. Yeah. I'm very impressed with, with the work that the Pride does. It's time for reviews. Did that hurt? No. I was say, it sounded like you were a little hoarse <laughs> or something. It looked like you were a little, it was like real high up there in your register no, and your no, face was a little it red. It didn't hurt. That was fine. But my voice is hoarse, it's a little hoarse it is. because I yelled and screamed at this stupid oh, at the convention event? thing I went oh. to because they required us to. I should gotcha. have given you some of my elderberry syrup. I'll give you some. That, that could help. So. Okay. okay. But anyway, what we are actually going to be talking yeah, about so a couple of things today. We're going to start with a book. Yep. We are reviewing Keeping Her Keys, An Introduction to Hecate by Cindy Brannan. And it's actually Introduction to Hecate's Modern Witchcraft. Okay. Because it's actually a course, uh, a year and a day course in this book. You want to become a devotee and accept the first key of Hecate. You can follow this book and start that relationship, which is something that I am doing. You know, I started on the new moon by following the ritual that was in the book. So, and it's Cindy Brannan is the author and uh, she's been a practicing witch for something like, I think 30 years, a good long while, a good long while. And she's been a Hecatean witch for, you know, probably close to that or somewhere in the, the last 20 years. And she teaches and, and obviously writes blogs and things like that. And, and it was through those classes and through her blog posts that this book came about. Gotcha. I really like it. I don't know if you guys have read it. I read it and I did not care for it. Well, that's okay. Oh, I see you over there. I can tell. Uh -huh, she's yeah, I'm just like, hurt. Mm. she's like, I'm just not a fan of this book. <laughs> I, I like this book because um, it does teach you the steps toward modern Hecatean witchcraft, which from the way it's presented is, you know, it's open to anyone. If you already have deities, that's cool. If you want to incorporate Hecate into your, into your pantheon, you can do that. If you want to just honor Hecate, that's cool too. You just find, and there's exercises and steps, different types of meditations and rituals and, and things that you can do to learn how to uh, become a Hecatean witch, right. basically. What was your issue with it? Okay. Because I did not read it. Okay. Because I spent all my time, you know, doing business. I had a couple so. of issues with this book. Mm -hmm. The first thing, and probably the thing that put me on the back foot starting with this book, mm -hmm. is that very early on she refers to Hecate as the queen of the underworld. And that is not Hecate. That is Persephone. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, she can't have that title. It belongs to someone else. Well, she is a goddess of the underworld. That's how I understand it. She's a goddess of the underworld. She, <laughs> and she is the queen of the witches. Is But she's gotten very, a lot, and these are taken from historical sources that have, you know, have recognized. Hecate is referred to as the queen of the underworld once in the Greek magical papyri, which are not mm -hmm. like reputable Hellenistic sources. Mm -hmm. There's also other sources that say she was a companion to. Yes, that's the actual myth. So here's the actual myth. Persephone is abducted into the underworld by Hades. Demeter goes searching for her. Hecate is a friend of Demeter. So Hecate helps Demeter search for Persephone. And because mm -hmm. Hecate has these torches, she's able to find Persephone in the underworld. Mm -hmm. And then later on, Hecate becomes an attendant of mm -hmm. Persephone. Mm -hmm. But Hecate is not the queen of the underworld. Persephone is the queen of the underworld. 
This is like, and I have strong feelings about this, even though I'm not Hellenistic. Clearly you do. It's like, chill the fuck out over there. No, I won't. (laughs) I have strong feelings about this. I don't worship the Hellenic deities, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I have an attachment Mm -hmm. to Persephone and Hades, Mm -hmm. and my blood gets up when they get disrespected. That happens a lot, and I'm mad about it. Well, you know. So anyway, this put me on the back foot for this book. And I was on the back foot for this book through the whole thing. Because it started out with this claim that Hecate was the queen of the underworld. And it continues a little further into the book to claim that, like, Hecate's hounds are the guardians of the underworld. So I guess now Cerberus is her dog. <laughs> so, like, this, like, it, there's a, there's a few layers of this. And I, I, I'm almost positive that all of this actually comes down to UPG because Cindy Brannon says somewhere in the introduction that there's a lot mm-hmm. of UPG yeah, in this she, book. Yeah, and she does say that. Yes. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. This is not a reconstructionist tradition. No. But you have to separate out, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you have to separate out your sourced material from your UPG. And she does not do that. They are very blended together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's very difficult to sort out what uh, a reconstructionist Hellenic worshiper would would recognize so would from what's foot, just Cindy Brandon's work. Would footnotes have helped to say, yes. you know, and one there were, UPG There two... were a couple of footnotes in this right. book, but not nearly mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Not nearly enough to clarify what was her personal gnosis and what was sourced material. Gotcha. And in my opinion, this book desperately needed that. Mm-hmm. I also found it kind of muddy. Mm-hmm. Like going through the chapters, because I read the whole book. Going through the chapters, I found it. I found it very repetitive. Like I found that she repeated almost verbatim, like whole sections of this book over and over again. And I don't know if that was intentional for emphasis. I think or it what? probably when you real when you remember that this is a book that is intended to be a course, a workbook type course in how to become a modern Hecatean witch how to incorporate devotion or how to work with Hecate in your, in your personal craft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is repetition because you go through these things by but months. There's, yes, but basically. there's repetition even in one chapter, mm-hmm. right? Which should be like one lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's like large, but there's like whole paragraphs that are repeated and just, you know, very lightly rephrased. I just found mm-hmm. it muddy and difficult to work through. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't clearly that's written. Fair. I, I didn't like the style of the writing. Yeah, that's fair. I, on the other hand, because I am working through it, right. that doesn't bother me. I appreciate the repetition. I would agree that it would be nice to have a notation of what is based on historical data mm-hmm. and what is personal gnosis, rather than this kind of blending of the two. Yeah. Right. That would be nice. And but, were... and but on the on the other hand, I'm planning to do separate research. There are a lot of books on Hecate out there. Yeah. So I'm planning to do, you know, personal research so I understand better what Hecate's individual mythology is. Right. I'll say one other thing about this book that I would have appreciated be- having in it mm-hmm. that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Is so Hellenic traditions have reconstructionist Hellenic traditions right. have sort of very specific rules for approaching ritual. They have very formal ritualized structures. Mm-hmm. And this book kind of alludes to some of them very mm-hmm. lightly, mm-hmm. but I think like if you weren't familiar with those ritual structures at all, you wouldn't right. recognize them. So although this is not a reconstructionist yeah, practice, I, was gonna say, it's not I a know it's not a reconstructionist practice, mm-hmm. but you're dealing with a Hellenic deity mm-hmm. who might appreciate having her rituals done in a specific manner, Mm -hmm. you know, your mileage may vary, but it would have been nice to have those 
those practices detailed it, it, or outlined at one point in the book. Even if it was as an appendix. As an appendix. Exactly. As, right. as like an option. Like, here's how mm-hmm. Hecate would have been worshipped back in the day. Mm-hmm. Here's how Reconstructionist Hellenics are you know, worshipping today. Right. Here's what the ritual structures look like if you want to use them. It mm-hmm. would have been nice to have those things. Because she says things like, you know, wash up before you do the ritual. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that it, that comes out of reconstructed Hellenic practices where ritual cleanliness was very important because you could accrue sort of spiritual dirt over the course of living. Mm -hmm. So before you do a Hellenic ritual, you have to spiritually and physically clean yourself Mm -hmm. in specific ways. She just says, wash up before you do a ritual. And I don't think that people who are unfamiliar with Hellenic practices, which many of the people reading this book will not be because it's not a reconstructionist practice, Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people are necessarily going to know what she's talking about or what she's alluding to. Mm -hmm. So I think that information would have been useful for people. I I would agree with that because I will say um, I I attempted the the first ritual, which is an initiation ritual to start the course, right? Right. Um, And it says wash up. And then do this thing. It's like a 15 minute kind of. Yeah. I started with just washing my hands and kind of splashing my face. And I did the ritual and I felt like reject. <laughs> I, it was like reject. No. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I was like, okay. So I waited until the next day, which was still part of the new moon. Mm-hmm. I took a full shower, you know, and then went directly to my altar mm-hmm. and did the whole ritual again. And then I got, yes, here is your key. <laughs> so, congratulations, congratulations, you did it right this time. you did it right this time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a, an explanation of what does washing up mean. Does it mean a full ritual bath or, or is a just shower, washing your hands or enough? Or is just washing yeah. your hands right. enough? And at least in my experience of that, just washing up, quote unquote, just mm-hmm. washing your hands, you know, just kind of tidying yourself up was not enough. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that because like mm-hmm. I said, you know, Hecate is a Hellenic deity yep. and she's been worshipped in these particular ways for a long time. Mm-hmm. There are just ritualized structures for doing mm-hmm. this that I that I have to assume mm-hmm. would make it easier to get in contact. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate about this book, because you mentioned that it was like a really short ritual. I did appreciate that the rituals in this book were sort of varied. Mm-hmm. So there were some that were very long and involved. Yep. There were some that were very short and contained. I yep. appreciated that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I liked that uh, element of it. So I have one question, and I'm going to ask you all for your stars. Okay. okay. Because I didn't read this book. Right, right. That first initiation is to the course... Or to Hecate. Yeah. It is, I guess it depends on how you look at it. It is kind of a combination of the two. It's a, a an intention to begin this course, which is it takes a year and a day, so that at the end you can be self-initiated in, as a devotee of Hecate. Okay, if so I that happens dis- at the end. Yeah. Not at the end of the initiation, but at the end of the course. Yes. Yeah. If okay, I had to I'm describe it. Because if it was yeah. like an initiation to Hecate as the first thing, no, no, yeah, no, no. I'd be like, it's what a, the fuck? No, it's if an I... initiation to, but you, but like for me, she extended her first key. What would Token? it be? Uh, well, as a dedicant. Yeah. Gotcha. As so a dedicant. If I had to describe it, I, I probably wouldn't describe that first ritual. I know it is described in the book as an initiation, mm-hmm. I think, but if I had to describe it, I would probably call it a dedication yeah, yeah. rather than an initiation. Yeah. yeah so yeah. right now I am a dedicant yeah. on the modern Hecatean witchcraft path. path. Okay. Yep. In a year and a day, assuming I finish right. the course. Then you will do a self-initiation. Then I will do a self-initiation to okay. become a devotee of Hecate. And okay. I did appreciate that this book was very clearly geared towards solitaries. Yes. 
sometimes yeah, there, there's a lot of times where you'll get these books and it's like, and you're going to have to yeah. find a mentor who can initiate you. Yeah. And you're like, well, she is also, she's very adamant about being inclusive to people, what, regardless of who they are, because she's very, um, she's very cognizant of the issues going on in, um, you know, with trans with witches right. and, and people like that. So she definitely wants to, or at least attempts to make it clear that this is open to anyone. You don't have to be a woman. You don't, you know, it can be men. It can be women. It can, there be, are no qualifiers. There are no qualifiers. Okay. Stars ratings. Um, I'd say as a book, I would give it three stars. Okay. Because there are some muddy parts. There are some mm-hmm. things that could be qualified. Um, as a course, I'm going to give it four. Oh, I give it one star. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't, I actively did like, didn't enjoy the process of reading it. Okay, so That's we'll fair. make that like two and a half stars yeah. between the two of you mm-hmm. all. So as a, as a rounded out. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, for Three Pagans and a Cat, this book is a... Eh. Depending on <laughs> a who soft, you are. Eh. Depending <laughs> on who you are. I right, like. yeah, yeah. So if you're Gwen, buy it. If you're Ode, don't. Don't, yeah. <laughs> if you're me, I don't know what to tell don't, you. I don't bother her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, and I, w- I have no interest in Hecatean witchcraft being right, right. so it's yeah. a little bit of a thing. But Leave all right. out, Car. that's it for the reviews. I'm impressed. That was you a nice one. To keep well, the actual, like, like the the t- the key and everything. You know, I had a cough drop. In <laughs> you all were Very good. Very good. So, and then the other thing we wanted to talk about, which is not really a review, it's a thank you. Yeah. <laughs> To Wonderful Body Co. She sent us this wonderful gift of Bath and Body products, and I in the I, mail. In the mail, yep. yeah. And we were not expecting that at all. No, it just arrived. Yep, and it was um, it's Bath and Body products. So we've got salts. basically bath salts, yeah. and that are book inspired. So they're inspired from different books. Some of them are book well, like the ones I'm looking at are book inspired. Yeah. Like one is called Herbs Gone Wild by Diane Kidman. Another is Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. And another one is Lavender Morning by Jude Devereaux. Those are, yep. you know, and, and so there was each... one that was. I got Gwen and I split these up. Yes, um, did. So the, the ones that I have on hand are the Coffee House one, which smells like coffee. Mm-hmm. That's and, always good. Right. And a Hagrid one, which is inspired by the character from Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. And then she also sent along um, fragrance oils. Yeah. Little, like, roll-on fragrances. Yeah, fragrance oils. And yeah, really which are nice. very nice. And so that's wonderfulbodyco.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, book-inspired soaks and scrubs. Says yeah. It on the yeah. Cup. And we would, so. hi- I highly recommend you going to check it out. Um, I'll take pictures of the products and, and uh, maybe put a link up in the in the blog yep. so that you can check her stuff out because this is really nice. The scents are wonderful. My skin felt really nice and soft after I took a bath with one of the salts, you know, mm-hmm. and I love the fragrance oils. And so. if you're like me and you don't take a bath, what I did was yep. <laughs> I... Shower person. I'm a shower person, 100%. I haven't taken a bath since I was like eight years old. <laughs> um, I don't think I've taken a bath since I was eight yeah. years old. So I'll, I like put a little bit of the salt in the palm of my hand when I get into the shower and then I just get it wet. So it like releases the fragrance. Mm-hmm. And then I do like a really quick 
what's it called when an, exfo- like an, oh, exfoliation an exfoliation with the salt on my yeah. skin yeah. yeah and then just you know let it melt let it melt in my hand yeah interesting so there's various ways to use these highly recommend it check it out and thank you thank you thank you we were not expecting this at all uh-huh. yeah and it was a beautiful surprise and we we just want to thank you I knew for it was com- it. I knew something was coming yeah right. <laughs> I just didn't know what yep mystery box so thank yeah. you to our listener who is the Owner of Wonderful, Wonderful Body, Body Co. Co. Yeah. <laughs> we enjoyed that. Okay, yep. let's get back to belting. Okay. Yep. One of the things that... So, like, obviously, I'm not focusing on fertility this time. Right. But it, or ever. Or ever. <laughs> but it is a big focus for a lot of people. And consequently, yeah, is. Beltane is a very strongly gendered holiday. Yes, it is. And I'd also like to, to mention, Car and I are actually going to be participating yeah. in, in a well, ritual. Oh, it is too. Yeah, 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 that's right. You're going to be too. We're actually going to be participating in a ritual that's going to be going on um, right after Beltane, that mm-hmm. weekend of Beltane at Arts and Craft. Yep. Um, it's going to be officiated by our good friends Pat and Paul. Yep. The and owners of Arts and Crafts. The owners. Yes. And what they're going to do for us is uh, Car and I have been married for 30 years and we wanted to do like a, a hand fasting as a, a rededication because mm-hmm. we're both as pagan pagans now. As, right. Since we're both pagans. You know, they were married in a church. Now they got to do it in the Yeah, right. so we want to kind of. Now want we got to do it right. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, <laughs> so we want to reinforce, renew, redo, however you want to put it, these vows. And so they're incorporating a hand fasting for us into, into a Beltane this ritual. Beltane mm-hmm. ritual, which was originally written by Jason, Jason Mankey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been adapted, and he gave permission for this ritual to be adapted. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful. So yeah, so hand fastings are are a big part of Yeah, you see a lot of that going on at Beltane and you just see a sort of a lot of sort of pairing off Mm -hmm. because especially during maple dances, there's a tendency to fall into each other's arms. Well that does happen. (laughs) But there's a there's a tendency to sort of break the participants into two gendered groups. Yes. And one gender holds one color ribbon, and the other gender holds the other color Mm -hmm. ribbon, and you dance around until the maple's all, you know, tangled up. And then you pair off, presumably. Gotcha. Is the idea. That would be nice if there was a way to recreate the dance to where it was uh, either three gender. You you just got to be really, really careful that like a swan doesn't come up and pick up one of the. (laughs) Because then, you know, you got the whole swan and chill thing going on again. We have, I like how we have um, continuity now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Nice. So what I've seen in the past, people do like, you know, because there have been attempts made to sort of make a non-binary space. Right. And a lot of arguments about whether whether and where trans people should be included. Right. And I think they should. Right. In my my stated opinion is that trans people should be included with the gender they identify exactly. with. Yep. Yep. Exactly. They most and if, definitely And that should. shouldn't be a controversial stance. Nope. And I'm furious that it is. Yeah. So as a non-binary person, obviously the thing that most applies to me is when they create sort of a third segment, right? Yes. That non-binary people can be a part of. But that third group doesn't usually get to be involved mm-hmm. really in the proceedings because the proceedings are built okay. around those two groups interacting. Right. Right. So the right. sort of non-binary third group just kind of is an attendant to mm-hmm. those two groups and sort mm-hmm. of facilitates the ritual instead of participating in the ritual. 
And that's a really uncomfortable place to put people, I think,、mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to say like, you don't get to be part of this. We're just going to allow you to make our ritual easier for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And、There's、I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know do off like, the top of my head. Trans flag ribbons and gay pride ribbons. God, wouldn't and, that be cool? Yeah, because then you can be like, hey, grab the ribbon that applies to you. How about yeah, polyamory ribbons? You know, why why does it have to be、right. a pairing of two people? Why couldn't、right? it be three? Of various genders,、yep. <laughs> yeah, or six, or however or many people however you can many, handle. Like, <laughs> I can't handle one partner, but if you can handle several, <laughs> you know, congrats, right? So, on your on your relationship management skills, right? That's right. I I do think that, and what is it? Is it Robin who said a rain, rainbow right, color right, ribbons,、yeah. one for every person's fancy?、Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you know, why do we have to pair off? It's、I'm, I know it's traditional. Yeah, well, and maybe we need to start rethinking tradition. Yeah. Especially since they're not that old, these these dualistic traditions,、yeah. you know, most of them come from Gardner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very, very much the modern. Definitely brought in this concept that it has to be a god and a goddess, a high priest and a high priestess,、mm-hmm. a man and a woman. Very gendered roles. These dualistic pairs. These dualistic、yeah. pairs, and it's like, why do we have to be so married, if、mm-hmm. you will, to that concept? Why can't we? Why can't we come up with something different or、yeah. something new in addition to that? It's fine, you know. That's but, right. Not here's the thing. I don't want to take anybody's fun. It, I don't want to、know. take anybody's fun away from them. Right. And I can see how you know maples and the the existing、uh, Beltane traditions are a lot of fun. Right. I can see、mm-hmm. how people enjoy that.、Mm-hmm. Just there's not necessarily a clean space for me to slide into、right. with that. Right. I, so like I could go in and be gendered while、right. I'm there. Mm-hmm. But it would be uncomfortable for me. And、right. if you're gonna do a ritual, you shouldn't be uncomfortable no, being there. And if you're gonna be, be uncomfortable doing it, you probably shouldn't do the ritual. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know. So I think therein lies the problem. Is you know how do we make this so everybody's welcome,、mm-hmm. everybody feels comfortable, and it, unfortunately it does come down to whoever is planning yeah, the ritual the and what event their coordinators, yeah, and what their view is. I mean, unfortunately, there are some. Leaders out there,、mm-hmm. some covens out there that are very, very traditional in well, their in their view. We can just call her out if you want.、Right. <laughs> we are talking about Zebupes, right? Yeah, among other are, people, among、yeah. other people who have quite vehemently、uh, very rigid views. Very、yeah. rigid views, and, and、uh, it's a shame. Yeah, you know, because we need to be able to embrace what is becoming the norm、mm-hmm. now, right? And as I, opposed to what was the norm fifty, sixty years ago, right? And I think there's this conflict maybe between because so there are definitely some people in the community obviously who just don't want trans and non-binary right. inclusion, right?、Um, well, some people who don't even want homosexual inclusion, right? right? Exactly. Homosexuality is now more accepted than than、uh, transsexuality、right. and and non-binary identities are in pagan spaces, but there are still you know places where they run into friction. Right. So some of that obviously comes down to just people who, who、right. have already formed an opinion that they don't want this to be part of their、right. of their ritual or part of their space. Right. But then there are some people who it just seems to be like an appeal to tradition for them,、mm-hmm. and for those people, I have to assume. That the attachment to tradition is part of this thing we see in paganism sometimes of a desire to have a lineage, yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. a desire to have、uh, an attachment to something older、right. than it really is, and so we're unwilling to give up or alter our a- any of our traditions,、yeah. right? Because acknowledging that they're young enough to still adapt, right? You know, acknowledges that they're young. But that <laughs>、exactly. said, like 
everything adapts. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. Just, the Catholic yeah. Church is adapting slowly, right. but slowly Very but steadily. Slowly. Slow. It's interesting that you, you bring that up because, uh, about the wanting to hold, you know, to have ancient, mm-hmm. you know, ties, uh, because I'm in a, a, a book club now online that just started reading the spiral dance last week. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading for the first time in almost 30 years, probably. <laughs> I've started reading the spiral dance again. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, this is, you know, this is so cool. And then finding out, wow, this is, you know, so fake. So fake. <laughs> Actually, so no, I take it back. It was 20 years ago that I read this because it comes off as history. Right. And it, it's not. It's her, and she says it in the 20th anniversary uh, introduction to yeah. the book because it was originally published in 1979. She talks about the fact that when she originally envisioned this, she was using data. That has now been debunked. Mm-hmm. Right. But also she intentionally did it as a kind of... Um, she mythologized. Yeah, she mythologized what she thought it right. would have been like. Mm-hmm. You right. know, it, if there was a matriarchal goddess-worshipping society, which was a popular theory put forth by uh, an anthropologist Margaret of the Murray. day. Yeah, Margaret Murray. Well, actually, she's the one who... Influence Gardner. There's another one okay. who had this whole idea of, of a matriarchal, ancient matriarchal society. And that's what Starhawk and a lot of others like her latched onto gotcha. back in the day. And so you read it now knowing that all of that is, is, has been debunked mm-hmm. and that we don't have these ancient ties of a religion of, yeah. of witchcraft or a religion of Wicca that has been passed down for thousands of years. I can sort of see why people would like to have that because you've got your mainstream religions of Christianity and Islam and Judaism. Right, that are like, we've been around Hinduism, for 2,000 years. Yeah, Hinduism and Buddhism. You know, they've got ties that go back very far. Mm-hmm. And when you have a young religion like Wicca, you want it to feel legitimate because so many people tell you it's not. Right. You know. But looking for your validation from what are functionally, because of the fact that they're proselytizing, enemy religions. Right. They're enemy is, religions. That's not the right place to look for right. your yeah. validation. You don't need their don't validation need to, to be okay. Exactly. And the thing I think, I'm, I'm, it seems like people are starting to realize now, although you do occasionally, I do occasionally run into people who still have this idea of witchcraft of as ancient, being unbroken an ancient lineages. unbroken yeah. lineage. And it's like, no, but there are maybe, there may be some folk magic traditions. Right. You know, there that, were certainly people practicing magic exactly. in the ancient past. There were people, magic itself, witchcraft as a, the practice existed. of the right. craft has mm-hmm. existed for thousands of years. It just hasn't existed as a religion. Right. You know, as a, you know, you have practices and folk traditions mm-hmm. and things like that, that yes, that often get integrated into other systems and they get integrated into other systems into into Christianity mm-hmm. quite a bit. Those are what has been handed down through families right. yeah. and things like that. These traditions that were passed on from grandma to grandma, mm-hmm. you, know, <laughs> you know, just, you know, like I have folk traditions that were passed down to me, even though my family was Christian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But there were magical folk traditions that were passed down to me 
from my German side right. of the family. And that's, I But think, they were just But that. they were that just was what that. they were. Folk traditions. Exactly. You're not, because you're... I don't come from a long line exactly, of witches the, because the I was taught... The fact that your, your German-derived grandmother yeah. taught you X, Y, or Z about gardening and right. it has a magical explanation doesn't mean that you come from a, an ancient exactly. German witch line. It exactly. just means that your grandmother knew some folk magic. Exactly. And, that she probably didn't even fright, didn't. you know, think of as folk she magic. She didn't. And right. the same with my great, my, uh, my grandfather teaching me to water witch. Uh-huh. He didn't think of that as witchcraft. No. He was a and, Christian. He was a Baptist. And he probably called it dowsing. And he, yeah, and he did. He called it dowsing, mm-hmm. you know, and to him it was a, it was a, a it was a science a thing. A science yeah. thing. Right. It's how the earth can uh-huh. you know, geomagnetic and, fields. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I think if, if we can get past this idea that we need to have this grand history mm-hmm. and embrace the fact that, yes, witchcraft itself as a practice has been around for thousands of years. I tell years. you what, guys. Embrace the fact that 2,000 years from now, yep. these will be ancient religions. <laughs> That's right. But they all start 2,000 years in the past. <laughs> Embrace the fact that you are living in the past mm-hmm. for your religion. Exactly. Which means you get to define the direction it goes in. That's mm-hmm. a great place to be. We're in on the ground floor of these religions. Right? I mean, you know. We get think, to decide what matters to them. Like, li- Wiccan listeners out there, you, you know, some people get really uh, sad or, or touchy mm-hmm. about the fact that Wicca is a young religion. It's like, but yeah, 2,000 years from now. It'll be old. It'll be old. <laughs> And Embrace Gardner, that. And Gardner will be its father. I mean, you know. Someday you'll be an ancestor. And somebody right. will be praying to you at their altar. Exactly. In exactly. the ways that you pass down now. Exactly. In, in, with the habits and rituals you're establishing. And I think it's the same for Reconstruction mm-hmm. religions such as Druidry. Reconstructions are in an... Or, reconstructions, well, no, reclaiming. Reclaiming. Yeah. reclaiming yeah. Reconstructions religions. and revivals are an interesting sort of middle position where, like, we do have ancient sources, mm-hmm. admittedly fragmented ancient sources, Mm-hmm. And we'll be 2,000 years from now, hopefully, mm-hmm. in a better position than we are now. Right. But, like, the religions did exist at one time, yep. and then there was a stop. Yeah. Right. And a long period of silence with occasional murmuring. Yeah. And now. Yeah. Right. Where we're yeah. trying to resuscitate the resuscitate corpse like that. Isis and Osiris. Yep, exactly. All I can say is, like, there's, there's two things that we need to make sure of. Okay. Especially if we are the grandparents of new forming religions right, exactly. to some extent. We, we are the ancestors of future popes. Of future people. So we need to, A, make sure that our historical stuff is as complete as mm-hmm. possible. Exactly. Absolutely. And as accurate and as, as possible. And as accurate as possible. Which, which is why Good I've documentation always, is critical. Which and, is why I think book, creating your own book of shadows or grimoire is important. Yes. Right. Or, and B, don't do stupid ass UPG. <laughs> like... So your unverified personal gnosis, make sure it's like at least somewhat lines up with stuff that others have. Right. That's that's what we call like shared personal gnosis. Right. Yeah. Shared when, personal with, gnosis. when your yeah. UPG and another person's UPG, UPG kind up. of line up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to invalidate anyone's no. UPG for their uh-huh. personal practice, but for no. setting, but for setting sort right. of the right. the ground rules of mm-hmm. the religion at large. Right. Mm-hmm. Shared personal gnosis is the order of the day. Right. UPG mm-hmm. is for personal, personal practice. Yep. Right. Shared personal gnosis is for defining sort of the boundaries of a religion. Right. And right. I, That's going what back I'm to, at, yeah. I agree. 
going back to Cindy Brannon's Hecatean, you know, modern Hecatean witchcraft, I do know that a lot of the of the gnosis that she has adopted is shared gnosis with other Hecatean witches who practice modern Hecatean witchcraft. Gotcha. So it's not just all personal gnosis; it's a shared gnosis from a a, a movement that has been going on for a while now. But is it a movement modern... she started? It is. Is it she? Once she yeah, started? yeah, she started it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but so. um. But modern, but yeah, you know, so so uh, Anne Mora started, um, you know, green Wicca, green Wicca if you yeah. will, right, right. Um, yes, which means that ultimately everything goes ultimately back to goes Anne back Mora. To her. Yep. It is a modern practice. It is right. not a, a reconstruction, right? Yeah, or right, reclaiming. Yeah. Yep. So All right. revival. Yeah, yeah. Reclaiming is a specific tradition related to fairy. Okay. So I prefer revival. Okay, so it's not a revival. Yeah. So guess what? What? Oats stone corner he stares at the ceiling while he does this it's very interesting <laughs> and he that's because very, the very mic red. drops down from the ceiling ah, that you have to grab it's okay. in his imagination he's imagining the ring we are suddenly right. in a ring <laughs> yes so the they mic drops down, down from the center you grab uh-huh. it and you scream and you into it, it. Yes. <laughs> for today because Beltane fire festivals bonfires etc yep I'm going to be talking about Fire Agate. Recently, in Grandfather Fire, I talked about Fire Quartz. And previously before this, I've talked about Carnelian. And I'm going to talk about how all these things are both the same and different. Okay. So, uh, Fire Agate is a type of chalcedony. Chalcedonies and agates are structurally the same thing, essentially. But agates have banding and chalcedonies don't. So, what makes this a Fire Agate is the fact that it has banded qualities. It's a type of chalcedony. It's only found in Mexico and the southwest United States. So in like Arizona, California, New Mexico. Okay. And in northern and central Mexico. And it was created because in that area, around 30 million years ago, there was a lot of volcanic activity. A lot of massive volcanic activity. And the land was so broken up and superheated that over time, there were these layers building up of iron oxide and silica. Very, very thin layers of iron oxide building up over time, and then silica, and then iron oxide, and then silica, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until the iron oxide eventually ran out, and then it was just layers of chalcedony, which is quartz-derived, building up on top of it as the volcanic activity continued. Mm-hmm. Fire agate has a really distinctive appearance due to these layers of iron oxide and silica in the structure. The colors can range from blue-green to yellow to red, but mostly with fire agates, you'll see them in a red range, and they're usually found on a brown to black body stone. Okay. Right? And then inside, quote, inside the stone, you'll see like a glow, which will have the, the iridescent colors mm. inside, which are the light refracting through the different layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the silica and the iron oxide. Okay. Let me make sure I understood you. You could have a fire agate that's blue? You could, yes. Cool. Well, think about it. The hottest part of a that's fire true, is blue. blue. Yeah. Very true. So, so, and some fire agates will have all of these colors. Cool. Um, sort of in a, a kaleidoscopic rainbow of all the color variations. They actually, if if you're like looking for a visual, they look a lot like black opals. Okay. Like lightning ridge black opals. Yep. Um, but they're, they're fire agates, and they're only found in this one part of the world. The fire agates you're most likely to see in in pagan stores in tumbled form mm-hmm. are going to be sort of a brown color. They're going to have an orange to red color uh, iridescence. And often they'll have sort of a cracked or a scaled appearance because... During the volcanic activity, there was a lot of fissures in the stone that were then filled in 
with layers of chalcedony. Mm-hmm. So it'll have these little like um, craculars and scaled patterns in the stone that mm-hmm. are usually like a, a whiter color. That's the, the clear chalcedony that filled in after the iron oxide ran out. Fire agates uh, obviously have a fire connection, unlike their sister stone, carnelian, because carnelians are orange to red chalcedony that is not banded. That's mm-hmm. the only distinction between an agate and a chalcedony is that agates have banding. So carnelians that have banding, that edge into having bands, bands of color, are actually red agate rather than being carnelians. So like the process of getting the one stone from the other stone is basically just h- how the individual specimen appears. Like chemically, they're the same. Gotcha. Carnelians, for one re- for one reason or another, are very very like active, productive, energetic stones. Mm-hmm. Fire agates are less. They're still very energetic, but they're more stable than a carnelian is. They have more of a protective quality to them. Okay. Um, so I think you would find them more useful for, for, for Beltane because mm-hmm. you have that sort of protective emphasis right. during Beltane. Right. You would prefer a fire agate as your firestone to this, to a carnelian, because fire agate's more in tune with like shielding and protecting mm-hmm. and the sort of productive aspects of fire. Right? Time to go stone shopping. Whereas carnelians <laughs> are a little more aggressive. Right. Fire agates are... Very creative. They're very, very potent fire symbols. Mm-hmm. Not in the same way as fire quartz. So fire quartz is like a like a captured flame almost. And fire agate is what I would call like an embodied flame, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep, yeah. it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fire agates are very good if you're trying to make spiritual progress. They're good for what I call fire feeding. So this is a little like meditation I like to do basically, where I envision sort of my core from which my, my shield extends as a flame Mm -hmm. and when i start to get worn down i can take a stone like a fire agate and absorb some of that fire into myself feed the fire within myself from the much larger store of fire in the fire agate that's it for o's stone It's now a challenge, basically, to see how long you can hold it. <laughs> yeah. I need to prepare myself better. Uh-huh. Got to take a deeper Clearly. breath. Deeper breath. Yeah. Diaphragmal sit up, sit breathing. Yeah. 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 Don't slouch in your chair. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. <laughs> For next time, I'll remember. It's going to be all blue. Blah. 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 <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is there anything else you all wanted to talk about? Well... I do think it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. <laughs> Jeez, every time. <laughs> I tried really hard not to Google that time, and it didn't help. Didn't work. I came up this time with elderflower fritters. I'm intrigued. Me too. All right. So it's an egg. Okay. A cup of self-rising fleur. Okay. Uh, or flour. Right. Fleur. Flour is my preferred pronunciation <laughs> on that. A teaspoon of rose water. Ooh. Okay. I like anything with the rose water in it. A quarter teaspoon of cinnamon. We have rose water. Oh, right. It's flower blossom. A quarter teaspoon blossom. of cinnamon. cinnamon. Okay. Mm-hmm. A quarter cup of honey. Ooh. <laughs> Two cups of elderflowers freshly picked and cleaned. See, we got to get our... We got to get an elderberry. And tree. two tablespoons, or in my opinion, as much as you want, of brandy. Ooh. Oh, nice. 
So you mix the egg, the rose water, the honey, and the brandy in a medium-sized bowl. Stir in the flour and cinnamon. The batter should uh, resemble like slightly thick pancake batter. Okay. Um, if the batter is too thin, add more flour. Okay. If it's too thick, add more add brandy. Add more brandy, yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, then you fold in the other flours and you fry them like pancakes. Or you can drop spoonfuls into a deep fryer and kind of Ooh. get like a hush puppy type effect on them. Akin Echo wants to know if you can do it with dandelions instead of elderflowers because she doesn't have elderflowers. You most certainly can. Excellent. You can. Cool. You can. I wonder if I could do it with lavender. So um, you, then you serve those with a sprinkling of orange water and fresh lemon. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Or you dip them into fresh sweet cream. Oh, oh, my God. Either of those sounds like a great option. Makes about two dozen. If you don't have self-rising flour, you can always add a teaspoon of baking powder and half a teaspoon of salt. Okay. Does it need to be white flour? Probably. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Probably. Um, if you can't find elder flowers, you can use any other kind of flour that's edible. Okay. Um, or a cup of finely diced apple with <gasps> a hint of fresh mint. Ooh. Ooh. I could do that, too. Heck, Yeah. And these elderflower fritters actually come from medieval England. Oh, Ooh, they're an old recipe. And there are magical things, attributes to Ooh, them. Ooh, tell us the magical attributes. So protection from fair folk. Okay. Trust, beauty, energy for attraction, and magical ambiance. Nice. nice. So, well, you know, you can actually, I've, I've looked into this, you can actually order organic elderflowers online online yeah. at amazon yeah. Yeah. so we might be ordering some elderflowers from amazon Heck yeah until right. we can, give this a try know, plant our own tree I want, right i want to do the heavy cream that dip them in the heavy cream yeah, heavy sweet cream. yeah heavy that sweet sounds cream. so yeah. nice yeah i'm into oh my that goodness in that case we have to do the drop ones kind mm -hmm. of i would think yeah. rather than cakey one yeah mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. so that you can you know pick them up right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely Although i guess you could do like a crepe like if you do a you thin could pancake kind of and sort like of roll it up and well, if you do, if you're going to do a crepe, right, do it with ricotta Ooh. in the middle. Ooh. May <laughs> or, not be, you know, medieval. Or you, put the, <laughs> or you put the heavy sweet cream on top of it uh -huh, and then roll that it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. I'm seeing many ways we could enjoy these. We're going to experiment with these. Beltane <laughs> breakfast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those sound very good, Car. Those sound very, very good. So apparently, I think that's your best one yet. Oh, it well, is. Thanks. I do think so. <laughs> Miramidith, how do you say it? Miramidith? Miramidith. Miramidith is suggesting making a lavender simple syrup and make a whipped cream. And we have we lavender, have lavender simple, simple syrup, syrup right now. Let me now. just say right that now. if you do it correctly, you can put the lavender simple syrup into the whipped cream oh, instead yeah. of vanilla. Yeah. That would um, be especially if you're making your own whipped mm -hmm. cream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you all know, but you can buy like uh, canisters on Amazon that have inserts in them so that actually can, to, to aerosolize, to aerosolize that it. would be fucking so no idea you literally just pour heavy cream into it uh -huh. and then whatever flavor you want Simple put the cap back the on it and you shake it yeah. oh my I god the need to buy this that's so much easier than making oh god we could make you our own should chocolate know this because it was when i was at ground sphere that i did that oh that I remember? that's right i yeah. do remember that yep CO2 we should cartridges. make our own chocolate whipped cream that way. We should. That way we know it's going to be good and not gross. But yeah. We got a chocolate whipped cream. I won't name the brand because I'm not going to shame them, but it was not good. It, it tasted like metal. Good. It was terrible. <laughs> it was the of the bad. Okay. I, I'm, a, I'm on board with We're going to get some of these and make our own whipped creams. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Now for our commercial from our Tiger Reel. Mm. And Relic Designs. 
spelled R-E-L-L-I-K Designs. Relic Designs produces wired wrap jewelry from amethyst points wrapped with coils of silver to bracelets of braided bronze and silver chainmail links. Real works with all types of metals from copper to titanium and accepts custom commissions. You can find Relic Designs on Facebook at Relic Designs or on Instagram at relic.designs. There are a couple of imposter Relic Designs out there, so make sure you get the dots and the spaces right and accept no substitutes Relic Designs. That's right. Heck yeah. Your uh, commercials were on point this time. I'm glad. <laughs> Very good. I felt like the energy was low for the last set. No. So. so I think that's everything. That's everything I wanted to talk about anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've actually yep, closed out all the rest of my... Uh, yeah, because I, I think Shiznit. because... And if you haven't listened to the Beltane episode that we did last, last year, year, I recommend you do it because it actually has a lot of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I did. That we forgot about. I forgot. That we have forgotten about. I did want to shout out the Beltane Fire Society in oh. Scotland. They put on a huge, essentially performance art ritual I've seen, for Beltane at Calton Hill. I have seen video of this. Every year. And it's, it looks like the coolest shit ever. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of volunteer actors, essentially. And they all get dressed up as various like mythological creatures. And they put on these performances as the May Queen and King procession goes around and wakes up the various like sets of the performers. Right. And the audience just mingles in with the performance. So it's a, it looks like it would be a really great fun. event. So if you're in Scotland... Head up to Edinburgh and find Calton Hill and go do that because it yeah. looks like the coolest mm-hmm. shit ever. Yep. yep. And it I happens have... on Beltane. So, Karen and I have actually seen some short videos on that that yeah. were promoting the event. Yeah. It looks... And we were like, someday. Someday we got to get to Scotland. We got to get to Scotland to see on this Beltane. For Beltane. Right. They yep. do a Salon one too, but they started mm-hmm. with Beltane. Yeah. So. Beltane. Yep. yep. Very cool. And they've been doing it for 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. We could just move to Scotland for a little bit. <laughs> I think that was Casper. That, yeah, it, it was. started with Scottish <laughs> and fell into Liverpoolian. Yeah. So you definitely, uh, yep. yeah, yep. yeah, it's okay. You always <laughs> fall into Casper, though. You Anytime always. you're doing any kind of UK accident, you it, gradually fall accident? into Casper. An accident. accident. <laughs> A UK accident. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! Oh, yeah. You gotta still, you gotta spend more time listening to how Paul talks, and then you can mimic his accent instead of always falling Which into still Casper's. Still isn't gonna be Scottish, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> gonna be Scottish, but it might be a not Casper English. <laughs> That's true. Expand the the UK repertoire. Expand the repertoire. <laughs> All right. All right. I think we're done. All right. I, so, I so if you want to find us, you can find us on the web. Yep. Yeah. At www.thenumber3pagansandacat.com. If you want any of our other links, you can find them all there. Yep. Imagine that. You don't have to memorize. Rememberize? Rememberize. You don't have to rememberize any of these. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we should end this podcast because now I'm just starting to get a little weird. Loopy? Loopy. Um, <laughs> okay. So He's go, still go, recovering from his work trip. Yeah, go, go to the website. And all of the links are there mm-hmm. for absolutely everything, including our Patreon, our Redbubble, our... Twitter, our Facebook, our all YouTube. that kind of stuff, YouTube. Oh, I've just got a new a new blog posted for the, on the Agora, Agora on for, right. for Patheos. So here's the deal, folks, on the Agora blog. We post those to our Twitter and to our Facebook page. <laughs> if you all would be so kind as to share them from the Agora blog mm-hmm. when you share them, that would be great because that ups the share count. And makes them think that we're important. <laughs> um, so 
help Patheos think we're important. <laughs> that the, way, the we most might important be... quest. I am for not the a three... cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> He's doing the whole Nixon thing over here. No, but that way, uh, Patheos knows that you know there's interest, there's interest there, in the and blood, then yeah. we could eventually be given a Patheos channel yeah. rather than writing for just the Agora blog. Right. Yep. So. And, um, I believe that's it. Yep. Happy Beltane and whatever it is in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, we keep blowing <laughs> Salon, up the Salon. Salon. Salon, yeah. Happy So they're, they're doing our... Salon right now. Go Happy listen to our Salon. Salon episode if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. That's right. Our our wonderful Southern Hemisphere <laughs> listeners. Someday we'll get it right. <laughs> Maybe. I doubt it. We'll never get it right. We'll never get it right. It's all good. All right. I'm going to stop the podcast. Okay. Maybe. Really? You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.